This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Morning, everybody. Morning. Grab a seat, and we are ready to learn. Are you ready to learn? You know what hit me this morning? <laughs> Let's hope not. Let's hope not. <laughs> Uh, It's a great day to go to church twice, isn't it? Awesome. If you haven't been here the last couple of weeks, then you might not know, but we are doing a preview service tonight at 5 o'clock of our Sunday evening service. That's going to launch on what day? July 8th. I figure if we go over that half a dozen times, every Sunday we will get it. But tonight... It's going to be a great time to be together, so you come back here at 5 o'clock, and uh, we're going to have a great time together. Kevin has uh, a whole different message he's going to give, and uh, we're going to have a great time of worship. So that's kind of one of the things that hit me. Do you ever have a, a night that you wake up in the middle of the night and your mind's just going? I had one of those last night. I was tired. I went to bed at 9 o'clock thinking, man, I'm getting a nice long night of rest. I woke up at 1.27, laid in bed, my mind was, it was all good stuff. I'm, I'm actually really excited about what I get to talk to you about this morning, and that was part of the reason why I never went back to sleep again. And uh, yeah, I know, you're lucky you're at the first service, not the second service, right? <laughs> I just might be dragging tail at that service. But uh, no, I, I get to talk to you this morning about something that I'm Super, super excited about because it's a principle that in its simplest form, most of us probably know up here, but in its application in everyday life, I think that there's a vast portion of this that in most of our lives remains untapped. And my prayer for all of us this morning is that we would tap into that deeper and more fully than we ever have before. I have a special greeting for those of you who are here for the first time. My name is Ron. I'm on the pastoral staff here at New Life. And for the next 30 minutes or so, I'm going to be teaching us out of the Bible. And before I jump into that, if you'll take your programs and on the inside of the programs, take out this card. And the reason it's important is because our job as a church, if you read it on the wall out there, our mission begins with connecting people to God. And so if we're going to help you connect with God, then we have to be able to connect with you. So we ask you to trust us with your contact information. So on the part that says start here at the bottom, there's a place. And if you come here all the time and we have your contact info, just put your name on the bottom and we'll figure out who you are. We know who you are, where to find you. But if you're new, if you would complete the whole thing, it gives us the opportunity to help you connect with God more fully and more deeply than you ever have before And that's all we will do with that information, but that's pretty important stuff. So I want to ask you to do that and then just sort of set that aside. I'll come back to that at the end of my teaching, and I'll share with you what you can do with that later on in the service. So, we're in the book of Jonah. We're actually halfway through the book of Jonah. It's got four chapters in it, and we've been through the first two. And in the first chapter, Jonah is running away from God. Never a good idea, okay? In chapter two, he's running back with God. Always a good idea to run back 
to God and ask for forgiveness. And in chapter 3, he's running with God. Good or bad? Awesome. There you go. That's a great thing. So we're going to watch Jonah run with God today. But in the process, we're going to take a look at this concept that's basic to all of Scripture. So I just sort of want to throw it down right at the beginning. And that is, I think everyone should be a Christian. Everyone. It's not very many things that you can say, everyone should do this, or everyone needs one of these, or this thing fits everybody. But I want to tell you right up front, everyone should be a Christian, not just because God says so, and not just because I'm the pastor, and that's what pastors are paid to say. Okay, Not even because it's a good thing. I want to tell you that I think everyone should be a Christian because there is no better way to live, period. There's no more fun way to live. There's no more adventuresome way to live. There's no more fulfilling way to live. There's no more satisfying way to live. There's no way to live more victoriously. There's no way to have more hope in this life or in the life to come. I tell you, no matter how you slice it, there's no life that compares with that of being a Christian and following Christ. Am I right about that? Yeah, absolutely. So now today, I'm going to show you why. We're going to get into some of that because we're going to see that. We're going to get a front row seat to a whole group of people that, that get that. And we're going to see what happens in their lives. And uh, so without any more intro, let's go straight into the book of Jonah. And you can uh, get out your teaching notes. There, there are very few blanks to fill in, so you're going to be able to listen more than write this morning. But we're going to read through Jonah chapter 3. We're going to start with the first three verses. Here we go. Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Okay, we'll stop right there. A second time. Have you ever heard of a fish taxi? Jonah got one. Running away from God. God sent a storm after him. If you know the story... Jonah said, I'm the problem. The sailors threw him into the ocean. He thought he would drown. God prepared a fish. The fish swallowed Jonah. God miraculously took care of Jonah and spared his life while a fish swam Jonah to where he was supposed to be and spit him out on dry land. And the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. The second verse sounded a lot like the first verse, didn't it? Because here's what God said. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. The great city of Nineveh. I did a little research on that. And Nineveh was actually not only the capital city of the Assyrian Empire, but there were three other uh, suburbs around Nineveh. And when God said go to Nineveh, that great city, He was talking about Nineveh and its suburbs. And we will find out in chapter 4 that there were more than 120,000 children in that city who could not tell their left hand from their right hand. So they were probably six years of age and under, which means that that metropolitan area that God sent Jonah to had roughly the same population as San Francisco proper. A great city. Big city. Goes on to say... And to deliver the message I have given you. 
And I'll, I'll save you the shortcut. The message was real simple. 40 days and this city will be destroyed. This is what God says because of what you've done. And he said, this time Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh, a city so large it took three days to see it all. Big city. Big city. Wow. That's the backstory. Let's read verses 4 and 5 and see how it goes. Verse 4 says, On the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds. By the way, a little side point. You might want to write it down in your margin. When God speaks to you, it's a good idea to get started that day. Can you see Jonah got started that day? On the day he entered the city and he shouted, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. Now look at the next statement. It's amazing. The people of Nineveh believed God's message from the greatest to the least. They declared a fast. They put on burlap burlap to show their sorrow. Do you think in Jonah's wildest imaginations he thought that was going to happen? No way. In fact, does that sound humanly impossible? Well, I have a deal for you. You take that same message and go to the city of San Francisco, get yourself a big megaphone, and you start hollering that message and see how many people pull out the burlap for you. Now, friends, what's happening here is something that's far beyond what would be humanly possible. And this is the point of the story you have to get. Chapter 1, we were talking about Jonah. Chapter 2, we were talking about Jonah. But today, I want to talk to you about a picture that's bigger than Jonah. I want to talk to you about what took place in the life of these people that lived in Nineveh. Because they are giving us a wonderful living demonstration of the central truth in the Bible from start to finish. And the simple truth of the Bible from start to finish is that God wants to do in your life what you could never do on your own. If you could do it on your own, you wouldn't need Jesus, correct? If you could do it on your own, you wouldn't need a Bible. If you could do it on your own, you wouldn't need a Savior. If you could do it on your own, you could just go down to the local store and and bookstore and buy some self-help books and do your best and have at it. But God says, no, I want to come in your life and I want to do in your life some amazing things. So let's take a little diversion and take a, take a path through Scripture. And let's start with a truth that Jesus laid out for his followers during his ministry. Here it is in, in Mark. Jesus looked at them intently and said, now before I tell you what he said, the disciples have just said to Jesus after he taught them something else, they said, that sounds impossible. And Jesus said this, humanly speaking, it is what? Impossible, but not with God. Let's read the last sentence out loud together. Ready? Let's read. Everything is possible with God. Can you say that back to me? Everything is possible with God. Do you believe that? You really believe that? Yeah. You know something? Jonah didn't. That's why he ran. 
When God said to Jonah, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh, that great city, and I want you to say this, 40 days in the city will be destroyed. Jonah can't imagine that's going to end well. He's thinking, you know, the guys with the white coats are going to come and take me away, put me in a straitjacket if I'm lucky. Because usually the king would come and have my head with that kind of a message. I'm not going to last very long. Nobody's going to listen to that. Are you kidding, God? What good is that going to do? I mean, you've already said 40 days and they're going to be destroyed. Just let the 40 days go. I mean, God's given Jonah no hope that anything's going to change. Jonah cannot imagine that anything good could come from this. And because he can't imagine it, he turns and runs. There's a point in there for you and me. And that is you might be at a point in your life where you can't imagine a happy ending to your life. You can't imagine a happy ending to your marriage. You can't imagine a happy ending to this relationship between you and your teenager. You can't imagine a happy ending at your work. I I don't know what it might be. You might be struggling with an addiction. It could be anything, but what you're looking at, you think, there's no way out of this. Now, what did we just say? Everything is possible with whom? With God. Wow. Let me give you the core truth that we're going to repeat over and over today. Here it is. Take a look. My personal faith in God activates His power and His will in my life. I'll give you a moment to write it down, and then we're going to read that out loud together. My personal faith in God activates His power and will in my life. Ready? Let's read it together. My personal faith in God activates His power and will in my life. Now, let's see how this works. We're going to go to another passage that Jesus taught and uh, take a look at what He said in this passage. Jesus said, what do you mean, if I can? Okay? guy came to Jesus and said, If you could do this, would you please? And Jesus looked at him and said, What do you mean? If I can. And then Jesus said sort of the same thing again. Anything is possible if what? A person believes. Do you believe that? Not not so strong that time. Okay? Anything is possible if a person believes. By the way, that's our memory verse for this week. That's what I want us to memorize. You'll see it at the end of the message. Just that part of it. Anything is possible if a person believes. And I'll show you how that fits in the context of Christianity. And I'll show you how that can change your life. And should change your life. So now we'll see how Jesus lived this out as he taught with two blind guys. Take a look at this passage. Two blind men following along behind him. That's Jesus. And they were shouting... Son of David, have mercy on us. And they went right into the house where Jesus was staying. And Jesus asked them, do you, what's the next word? Believe Believe I can make you see. Yes, Lord, they told him, we do. Then he touched their eyes and said, because of your what? Of your faith, it will happen. And their eyes were opened and they could see. Would you say that the impossible happened there? Now, this is the second time we've seen the impossible happen. The first time it happened was when the Ninevites believed the message of God that Jonah had given them. 
I want you to go back and in verse, I can't remember whether it's 4 or 5, but it's on your notes, where it says the Ninevites believed God's message. I want you to circle the word believe. That is the core and central truth. When we believe, it activates. It sets a whole group of things in action, and I'll give you an illustration of that in just a minute. Another translation says, where it says, because of your faith it will happen, another translation says, let it be done to you according to your faith. In other words, if they had doubted Jesus, they would still need their canes. But because they believed, they could see. That formula still works in our lives today. To whatever degree we believe God and follow Him, the impossible begins to happen in our lives. And to whatever degree we doubt God, we get to go on our own. And whatever is humanly impossible remains humanly impossible. Paul put it like this in Ephesians chapter 3. He said, God is able. Just circle that and underline it. God is what? Able. Do you see any qualifier there? Does it say God is able for most things or for some things? No, it says God is able. What's the next phrase? Through His mighty power at work where? Within us, not outside us. Through His mighty power. Another translation says according to to His mighty power at work within us. What is God able to do? God is able to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. I have a cool little gizmo up here. It's called a cold pack. Have you seen them? They're pretty cool. Well, bad pun, right? This one is actually not cool. You know why it's not cool? Because I haven't activated it. It's got a little pouch on the inside. And if I were to squeeze this and break that pouch, and the chemical in that pouch would begin to mix with the crystals in there, then the actual power of this is activated and released. And it becomes so cold that on the back, I read it, that if you leave it on your skin too long, it can cause frostbite. That's cold. Okay? I want you to think for just a minute. The moment that you become a Christian, God puts His Spirit in you. Not just a piece of His Spirit. Not just one little segment or one aspect of His Spirit. God puts His Spirit in you. At that moment, every promise that God makes to the followers of Christ, is yours. Fully and completely. Every blessing that God promises the followers of Christ is yours fully and completely. Every good thing that God wants to do in your life is yours fully and completely. Every bit of God's power that He makes available to all of the followers of Christ, the same power that empowered, let's say, Billy Graham and Mother Teresa and all the wonderful people that you and I have come to to love and respect, that same power, all of it, is available to you and me 
But it's dormant. It's just there. It's got to be activated. What is it that activates God's power and will in our lives? Our faith. Our personal belief. This is why some people, when they become Christians, and one of the great things about being a pastor is you get a front row seat to so many people's lives. And I watch some people become Christians and they just grow and grow and grow and they're excited. And God comes into their life and He breaks habits and He breaks patterns and He breaks addictions and they can't get enough of it and they go into church and they're going to their life group and they're inviting their friends and they they just can't get enough of it. Why? Because they are fully activating all of that stuff that God makes available to all of His people. And then there are others who make the decision to follow Christ and it's like nothing happens. That's pretty sad, don't you think? Yeah, you know what the difference is? One is activating the power of God with their faith and the other is just content to go to church periodically. I want to tell you that when you put your faith in God, amazing things take place. Because faith is what makes the impossible possible through the power of God. And one of my desires and prayers for all of us this morning is that we would get on, that we would catch on to this. There's this, this stool right here. And, and to a great degree, faith is trusting. When God says something, you say, okay, I'll take it to the bank. It's not partially trusting. If I'm going to sit on this stool, but I don't really believe... Have you ever gone to sit on a chair and you weren't sure it would hold you up? And you sort of lean on it just a little bit, right? Yeah. And if you stay on that chair long enough, you get the skier squat right here, right? Begins to hurt and throb and it's not fun. Why? Because you're not trusting the chair. You're doing it on your own. And I can tell you in my life, many times I got the Christian skiers squat, whatever you call that thing, because I wanted to trust God, but I didn't really trust God. And so I had a little bit of faith, but I was doing most of it on my own. And sometimes I would rest a little bit more and sometimes a little bit less. Have you been there? Yeah. You know, the interesting thing about the people of Nineveh, let's read the next few verses and take a look at how much they believed what God had to say. It says, when the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne and took off his royal robes. He dressed himself in burlap and sat on a heap of ashes. Would you say that the impossible happened again? That's incredible. He even believed God. Then the king and his nobles sent this decree throughout the entire city. No one, not even the animals from your herds or flocks, may eat or drink anything at all. People and animals alike must wear garments of mourning and everyone must pray earnestly to God. Now here's the level to which they believed and trusted. They must turn from their evil ways and stop all their violence. 
I can tell you for these people, if you study history, violence was how they lived. That's what they were known for. Who can tell? Perhaps even yet, God will change His mind and hold back His fierce anger from destroying us. When God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, He changed His mind and did not carry out the destruction He had threatened. Can you say with me for the, for the next time, again, the impossible happened, right? God said, I'm going to destroy this place and gave them no alternative. But they threw themselves onto God's mercy. They believed what He said and they changed their lives. And the impossible happened. Wow. Now what's our memory verse? Anything is possible if what? If a person believes. Let's say it out loud together. Anything is possible if a person believes. And what's the core truth? Ready? My personal faith activates God's power and will in my life. God wants to do the impossible through us. He's not going to call all of us to go to Nineveh, but rest assured, He has things He wants to do in your life that will seem humanly impossible. There's a flip side to this message that I have to give. Because at any point that you want to, you could go home and turn on your TV and there's a guy standing up in an $800 suit who's going to tell you all you have to do is in the name of Jesus, name something, and it's yours. Okay? Let me give you two principles that you have to put with this, and, you, and, and it's important for you to know both of these. Okay? The first one is this. God's power operates only inside His will. You know, we are human beings, and we love power. Am I right about that? Absolutely, we love power. I, I will never forget. We had three children. We still have three children. But when our children were, when our children were younger, we had that critical moment in parenthood when we decided that our three children were old enough to leave on their own without a child care worker. And so we took our oldest child, sat him down, and said, we are entrusting the household to you while your mother and I go out on a date. Okay? We will expect you to be responsible and to, and to be in charge like we have been in charge. Our daughters would have been better with Hitler. No offense to our son. But his first opportunity to be in charge, he left no doubt about who was in charge. He was large and in charge. That's just like all of us. You know what we would love? We would love to have God's power on demand. And I know there's no shortage of pastors out there who will tell you that if you just become a Christian and you have faith, whatever you command in the name of God will happen. Because it's as if God has put His power under your control. Don't ever believe that for a second. 
God would never put His power under your control because if He did, who would be God? You would be. There's nothing magic here. You can see that in the book of Acts. These guys saw the Apostle Paul and Peter and the rest of these guys going around and casting out demons and healing people in Jesus' name. And they said, whoa, listen to that. There's real power in the name of Jesus. I think we can do something with that. And so they went out and they, they thought it was some sort of a magic incantation that somehow that they could, that, that they could sort of uh, capture the power of Christ and, and use it for their own purposes did not go well for them. In fact, the demon beat them up and they left wounded and naked. God will never, ever put His power under our control. You know what He will do? Here's what I want you to see. If God's will is this big, okay, and our faith is this big, how much of God's will actually happens? This much. Which means this much never comes to pass. Not because God doesn't want it to come to pass. But because we've never activated it with our faith. But don't for a minute think if this is God's will. That you can take God's power and make it work out here. Because God's power only works inside His will. But all of His will would be humanly impossible without His power. That's what God wants us to do. That's what God wants us to live every day. And I can tell you that most Christians that I know and most people that I know don't believe too much. They believe too little. Don't exercise too much faith and try to get outside of God's will most people that I know of are content to just sort of sit in the corner. I was praying through our prayer request this week. And, you know, um, a couple of weeks ago, 20-some of our people got back from a mission trip in Mexico. And it was so fun to read through many of their prayer requests. Why? Because many of them, that was their first mission trip, their first time to step outside their comfort circle and to do something that God had called them to do and to experience something that they didn't know how it was going to turn out, but somehow they felt called of God to do it. So they stepped out in faith and said, I believe, I don't know how it's going to work, but I believe that God's going to do something through me because He's placed this on my heart. And guess what? When they came back, they're like, wow, that was amazing. In our church, we have parents who have been raised in homes that were anything but healthy. And God is blessing them with children. And they're saying, God, I don't want to raise my kids like my parents raised me. I don't want to raise my kids like my grandparents raised my parents. And I don't know how to do this, 
but I know that you can do this through me. And they're reaching out to God and God is directing them to sources they never would have had in their lives. And they are learning how to raise their children in a healthy environment. And God is taking unhealthy, dysfunctional homes and doing with them what no social worker can do in our country, turning them into healthy, functional homes. Is that a great thing? That's an awesome thing. Why do we know that always works? Because is it ever God's will that any home would remain dysfunctional and destructive? No. Friends, when you go to God with a prayer request about your home, now now here's the thing. (laughs) When God says to do things a certain way, you can't just sort of halfway do them and expect it to work. You got it? You got to trust fully in every command and promise and guideline that God gives. And when you fully commit yourself to it, God does the impossible in your life. So that's the first thing you have to know. Now, let's go back to the core truth. The core truth is, my personal faith in God does what? Activates God's power and His will in my life. Why? Because... Anything is possible, what? If a person believes. Let's go to one more closing truth. Here it is. God routes all of His promises through Jesus. I'm going to draw you a little chart up here. Use your imagination. These are the promises of God. There's only space for four up here, but he has 200 and some in the Bible or more, all right? Some people say there's as many as 1,200. There's just a bunch, all right? So here's all of God's promises, and we read God's promises, and we say, hey, how can I get in on that? How can that promise be mine? And you know, there's a number of ways that people try to claim God's promises. And that is, they might go to God's Word and say, I'll read that promise and I'll just try to live it on my own. I'm going to be a good guy. I'm not going to beat my wife. I'm not going to be unfaithful to my wife. I'm, going to, I'm not going to steal anything. I'm going to be ethical. I'm going to go to work. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to be a good neighbor. I'm going to be an all-around good guy. I'm going, to be, I'm going to have morality and integrity in all of my life. And I think God will bless me and accept me and give me His promises because I'm a good guy. Okay? Other people think, ah... If it just means being a good guy, well, that sort of leaves the church out. Because you can be a good guy without going to church. In fact, I hear that quite often from people. Pastor, I don't need to go to church. I'm a good man. I'm a good woman. I'm a good guy. Okay? But some of us get a little further along and we say, nah, there's a reason for the church. So we think, okay, if I'm a good person and I go to church... I'm in. Right? That's how I get God's promises. And whatever God's promise, whatever God promises, that's mine. Those things about the impossible becoming possible and so forth, that becomes mine. Well, actually, the truth is this.
The Bible is very clear that every promise that, God's, that God makes is only ours in Christ. Take a look at, at, the, at the screen. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians and he says, The yes to all of God's promises is what? In Christ. That means if you're not in Christ, it's not yes, but what? I think you could figure that one out. No. Okay? And this is what, what did I say at the very beginning? Everyone should be a what? A Christian. You know why? Because when you're a Christian, you're in Christ, and all of God's promises are yours, and now you are ready to activate those promises with your personal faith. But friends, you can try to have all the faith in the world if it's outside of Christ, you have nothing to activate. That's how God has designed life. That's why Jesus is the Savior of the world. But you know the great thing about God? God says, I'm going to make Jesus available to whom? Everyone. That's how God's promises can be all-inclusive. Because no matter how old you are, how young you are, no matter what gender you are, no matter what your socioeconomic status, no matter what you've done, how righteous you have lived your life or how wickedly you've lived your life, it doesn't make any difference. Over and over and over again in Scripture it says, anyone can come to Christ by trusting in Him. And once we are in Christ, all of God's promises are yes to us. They're all here. And then they're ours to activate with our personal faith. And I've learned this in my life. When I trust Christ in one area, it's amazing how that area changes. And it gives me lots of hope and courage and motivation to trust Him in another and another and another. So as we wrap it all up, For those of you who are Christians, you made a choice in your life. Years ago, maybe yesterday, it doesn't really make any difference. You made a choice sometime in the past. Then the question would be, what's the next area that God's waiting for you to trust Him in and put your faith in? So that He can begin to do the impossible in that area. And I know as long as I've lived, and I've been a Christian several decades now, there are still areas, as soon as I trust God in one area, I'm thinking, man, that's good. All right, we can coast for a while. God goes, yep, that's good. But I've got another. You know why God has, always has the next area? Because he doesn't want me to miss anything. You got it? If he just let me coast, I'd miss everything that I'm not currently experiencing. And God says, no, for as long as you live, there's always a new horizon and there's always more to experience in me and there's always more adventure and I don't want you to miss a thing. For those of us who are not Christians yet, for those of us who have been coming to church or maybe came to church for the first time this morning ever in our lives, I'm not here to twist your arm, but I am here to tell you there's no better way to live. It is great. 
And when you, when you activate God's power in your life by putting your faith in Him, you get to experience things in this life that other people only dream about and work so hard to get, and they lie always outside our grasp because they are available only in and through Christ. And when you trust God, you get the God factor, which no human being can give. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.